Welcome to another episode of the Dan and Jay Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. Alright, Joe, to, to kick off our epic college football weekend preview show, I mean, so many great games, let's talk about some great opportunities for you to win some money. We're talking about those who are maybe going to Vegas, or for our local people, people are going to go to Biloxi, or maybe up north to Tunica, or Natchez, to get a little gambling in. And I've got an epic game right here. Easy win. I'm talking about they're just giving away money in Vegas for this one. And I literally, Joe, when, when I was uh, looking at my potential wagers to go wherever the river from Mississippi to make some bets, I couldn't believe this, this, this line when I saw it. <clears throat> and you know this because you know the history of football in a region, why this line is so ridiculous. What this is, is this is the line – where they're putting it out there on people just having knee-jerk reactions to something that happened last week. And Joe, this is NC State being favored by 19 points over Louisiana Tech. Are you serious right now? What a joke of a line that is. So Louisiana Tech should have beaten Mississippi State. They had them on the ropes. And Louisiana, I mean, Mississippi State pulled this magical Houdini act to somehow win that game. The next week, Mississippi State goes out and waxes NC State, just beat them badly. I don't know if people remember this. And now suddenly everyone thinks NC State is this amazing team because they went out and beat what is a hapless Clemson offense right now. And so this warrants a 19-point spread over a Louisiana Tech team that never gets beat by 19 points. If you watch Louisiana Tech, they take on big boys and they always play them tight historically. We've already seen it this year where they did it to a team that it went out and killed NC State. So, Joe, this is just like free money right here. Take Louisiana Tech on the points at 19. It is the gift from Vegas of the week. That's my line of the week. Okay. I think that's definitely a good selection. I'm going to go with the game I think you and I were talking about kind of in our show preparation earlier today. Um, your second or third favorite team now, Penn State against Indiana. Um, Penn State is favored by 12 and a half, but – this is a bad Indiana team. I mean, it's a hapless Indiana team that was just demolished by Iowa. They don't look good at all. And so I think that Penn State is going to roll and beat them pretty easily. Yeah, Joe, I got to give you a we are Penn State. Thank you, and you're welcome on that one because that's a, that's a good pick. People should be saying you're welcome to it. Penn State is a very solid football team. I saw them in person. They don't have any flaws. There are no flaws in that football team. And Indiana, it's a great story what they did last year. I love Tom Allen as head coach, but they have really regressed this year. And sadly, so is Michael Penix Jr. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so this Indiana team is a lower-level Big Ten team. And I think Penn State went to about three touchdowns plus, so I like that pick a lot. Okay. All right, Joe, uh, speaking of uh, Big Ten football, there's one that I'm kind of interested in this weekend. It's a, are you for real? You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about Jim Harbaugh being in trouble at Michigan for the last couple of years. He's had so many great recruiting classes, and he's never gotten it done against Ohio State, Michigan State, or Wisconsin. Wisconsin is going through a little bit of a down streak right now. We talked about it in our last episode. They got the doors blown off by Notre Dame last weekend, the game that I thought Wisconsin would win. And Michigan is undefeated. The best thing they've done is they went and they beat uh, what is actually a pretty pathetic Washington team pretty badly. But this is the first chance we see that when Michigan gets to play a team that while it's underperforming, it's still a good football team. 
And so I think this is going to be a really big test for Harbaugh, who I don't believe has ever beaten Wisconsin before. Yeah, this is one of those seasons where the door is open for Michigan to really capitalize in the Big Ten. I mean, the way things are setting up, they have a great chance to beat Wisconsin, great chance to beat Ohio State this year for Harbaugh. Like, everything is, you know, a prime opportunity, and it all starts this week. I mean, they, they cannot afford to go out and lose to a one-and-two Wisconsin team. That's right, Joe. And I hate to do this, but I'm actually going to pick Wisconsin to win this game again. I know I feel like this is crazy because I think the last week to win by 10-plus points and I lost. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But, Joe, I'm basing this off the stats. I looked at it earlier. Uh, you know, it's, it's hilarious that with Jim Harbaugh being an NFL quarterback, being an all-time great Michigan quarterback, his teams have been terrible with quarterback position, terrible at passing the ball. And this Michigan team, I looked at it, they're number 100 in passing. And what is the one thing you can't do against Wisconsin? Run the football. Nobody can run the football against Wisconsin without a semblance of the passing attack. And so my problem is, where is Michigan going to get their offense from in this game? I don't see it with those numbers. And I, I would love to see Michigan win this game, and I hope I'm wrong about this. But I think Wisconsin's going to have a comeback game and win because Michigan does not have enough variance on offense, I think, to be able to pull this one out. Is the game in Madison? Yes, it is in Madison. It's in Cape Yeah, I mean, that, that crowd is really tough. Yeah, I think that Wisconsin would probably win as well because kind of history tells us this is the kind of game Harbaugh loses at Michigan. And then second, Wisconsin, I mean, who can imagine them one and three as a program of stability? I mean, that's just hard to imagine. And we've seen Wisconsin actually rally and win Big Ten championships with three or four losses in the past. And so I, I think that Wisconsin could get back on track this week. Exactly. They may have one of the brightest minds uh, in Jim Leinhardt on the defensive side. He's a fantastic defensive coordinator. I think he's going to get a head coaching job opportunity at some point. And you got to think after the way Notre Dame played in the second half of that game, granted two of those were pick sixes, they still got a lot of points in the second half. He's going to have those guys motivated. And I just don't think that uh, Wisconsin's got enough to have a passing attack. I mean, Michigan's got enough passing attack to win this one. Yeah, I don't see Wisconsin being one and three. Yeah. All right, Jay, let's go to another under-the-radar game. And that's we talked about a little bit in our last episode. Uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State, a uh, game of two surprising undefeateds right now. And, you know, Baylor, I think, has done a lot with Dave Aranda within two years. I think he, you know, he keeps seeing it. The, the assistant coaches they had on the 2019 LSU team were just great, both the offensive side and, of course, uh, the defensive side with Dave Aranda. And he's doing a good job with Baylor. They beat Iowa State last week in a really close game where they had to stop Iowa State from getting a two-point conversion. That's a big upset. And then Oklahoma State uh, went and had a minor upset over Kansas State in a game that you know, I didn't get to watch, but I was very interested by it. And Oklahoma State is showing a lot of the defensive side of the ball. So for Bobby 12 standards, it's actually a pretty solid defensive battle you're going to see right here. And I think this is going to be a great game. Yeah, and also in contrast to Big 12 standards, you have two teams that's offenses are predicated really on running the football. And what surprises me about Oklahoma State is they lost Chuba Hubbard, you know, their star running back from the last few years, and they haven't really missed a beat at the running position. And then also Baylor's running back, Smith, I mean, he's got to be one of the best stories in college football that nobody's talking about. 
Because if I'm not mistaken, I looked at his statistics. This year, I think he's already eclipsed 400 rushing yards this season. I don't think, Dan, he had ever had a season in his career previously with over 100 rushing yards for the entire season. So just out of nowhere, like a breakout junior or senior season for him. That, that is a great story. And, and, Joe, I think I like Baylor to win this game. That was actually another one of my like lower-level picks that I had is a Oklahoma State's favorite in this game. But I feel like Mike Gundy tends to lose games like this. You look at his career, he always loses the game where you think he probably has a little bit better talent and the hype starts getting to him. He'll drop one, and especially against spicy teams like Baylor. And I really think that uh, you know, Dave Rand has got this program moving in the right direction. And I think they're definitely one of my dark horses to win the Big 12 right now. Baylor is. Yeah, I'll go with Baylor as well. I thought that Iowa State was going to be a big challenger for Oklahoma coming into the season. But right now I'm starting to think that Baylor is the best chance to win the Big 12 if Oklahoma doesn't. Absolutely. Especially with TCU having that crazy loss to SMU last week. Uh, Illinois, much like my cousin Jack, who has his own show now, uh, that, that we'll, we'll hype later. Um, and I don't see TCU being much of a challenge. So I think Baylor probably is maybe that next team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Joe, speaking of, of the next team, we talked about it a little bit of a big up and riser right now. Arkansas in game day taking on Georgia. Uh, I stayed away from this game when it came to gambling because I have no idea what to think of this Razorbacks team. I mean, Sam Pittman has impressed me so much with his his ability to coach, to motivate these players. And the line is huge. It's like 18 and a half points. But I don't know what to think about whether they can go to Athens and actually be competitive in this game because it's an inspiring story. He's getting so much out of these guys. But their boys and George Smith. I mean, Georgia's team is like unreal in terms of their talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, I want this to be a competitive game, Joe, but history says this is the kind of game where the dogs just let loose and just beat up a team like Arkansas. Yeah, I can't really imagine a scenario where Arkansas wins this game. You know, I see maybe Arkansas staying within 10 or 15 points, potentially covering. I just don't see any way Georgia doesn't win with how dominant they are on the defensive side of the football. Like, I almost feel like with their defense, they could run into some of these games and play with just like Vandy's offense and still have a chance because their defense is just so good and they can score touchdowns with their defense if necessary. And so I think what's funny, though, for us, how we've always talked about Arkansas the last couple of years with Sam Pittman, you have Georgia's offensive line coach now facing off against Georgia. And, of course, ironically, Dan – for us, uh, Matt Luke, the former Ole Miss coach, is now Georgia's offensive line coach. So we'll see, you know, if he gets another job uh, somewhere um, in, in the near future. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I like Georgia to win pretty comfortably. I think Georgia probably wins by, like, like at least 20 points. Yeah, Joe, I love the story with Arkansas football. Yeah, I know people that are Arkansas fans, they care a lot. And they've had a long doldrums when they weren't good. They've got a great uh, coach now who fits their program. Who's going to do? He got a Bobby Petrino type stuff. And I think that they're they're definitely moving in the right direction. The problem is he's getting so much out of these players, but he still has such a talent gap, and you can't make that up against a team like Georgia. And so I think best case scenario for Arkansas is that they lose by 14-17. It may be a lot worse though. 
Um, yeah. I mean, you look at Georgia, Georgia last week was up 35 to nothing on Vanderbilt in the first quarter. I mean, these guys are a machine. So, yeah, I like Georgia pretty big in this game. Because I like Pittman so much, I'll say that Arkansas loses by 17. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas, I mean, they have to run the football effectively, kind of play keep away, limit possessions, but it's just hard to see them getting a lot of points. I mean, K.J. Jefferson, I just don't see that passing game um, being prolific enough. The only way you can beat Georgia is by targeting your secondary. Secondary, it's not weak by any means, but it's the weakest part of their defense. And when I say weak, I mean, it's just not early fantastic. But everything else is utterly fantastic. So you still have to make time to be able to complete those passes. And yeah, you need, a, you need an upper level quarterback to be able to do that. And Kendra Jefferson has really improved a lot, but he's still more of a run threat guy. And I just don't see that matching up against you. Right, exactly. All right, Joe. Uh, speaking of really great defenses uh, and now bad offenses, Clemson's taking on Boston College. We're talking about a Boston College being undefeated, maybe a team that can challenge in the ACC. Well, Joe, here's their chance to beat a man. You got to beat the man, right? Uh, Clemson right now is a man that's got two black eyes that are barely open, but they're taking on a Boston College team that I, I don't know when the last time they beat Clemson is. Uh, riding high for Boston College after a huge win over Missouri last week. Uh, makes me nervous when you got a team that comes off a very emotional win uh, in a place they've never been before. Even with a team that's struggling the way Clemson is, doesn't it seem like everything is lining up for Clemson in this game? I think so. And like I said earlier in one of our other podcasts tonight, I just don't see Clemson being completely eliminated in the ACC. I mean, I can't think for a second, you know, the likes of Wake Forest and some of these other challengers are going to scare them away. And so I think that, you know, kind of the um, restart, reboot could start for Clemson against Boston College. I think so. I mean, I think I think Jeff Hadley's done a great job with Boston College. I think that his undefeated season ends here. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Clemson won this game by 14 plus points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely motivated. That's right. All right, Joe, speaking of motivated, uh, Cincinnati gets the ultimate group of five opportunity this weekend. I think Cincinnati is getting a little bit of the respect that if they can win this game and look very comfortably well the rest of the season, maybe they could get that college football playoff chance. But they have to win this game. They have to look good doing it. That's, of course, taking on Notre Dame. And Notre Dame right now is coming off their best week of the season. I think this is a very fascinating game. What do you see with this one between the Bearcats and the Irish? I see a big opportunity for Cincinnati, just a must-win scenario for them. And we think about the short list of Heisman candidates that I had mentioned earlier. I think that Desmond Ritter is one of those guys who could get in the hunt, but he has to win a game like this in order to catapult himself to New York. And I also look at the running game for Cincinnati, you know, having a 300-yard back already early in the season. That gives them a decent chance. But at the end of the day, I think Notre Dame is just a more complete team. I just think it'll take a Herculean performance from Ritter for Cincinnati to win this game. Joe, the problem I see with, with Cincinnati is I know you're not supposed to look at last season. Uh, a lot of people give credit for what they did against Georgia, but I watched them completely collapse in the end of that game against Georgia last year because the Georgia team was not motivated at all. They had all of their – didn't make the playoffs, didn't make the SEC championship game, uh, lost badly to, to Florida – had half their team sitting 
and they still gave up a late lead to Georgia and ended up losing that game. And that was an opportunity when they put everything they had on the line to win it. And you don't have that lack of motivation right now with Notre Dame. In fact, Cincinnati's favorite to win this game, which I think is crazy. Uh, that was another one that I liked too, the money line on Notre Dame. Notre Dame played their most complete game of the season last week. They have had their scares. They survived them. And you know what? A lot of times, that's what it takes for a good team to become a great team. And Brian Kelly right now, I mean, he is, he is coaching. He's done an amazing job coaching this season. And he's willed his team through some bad streaks and now has a very talented team playing at their upper level. And they're going to win this game, Joe. Uh, they may even win this game by a couple touchdowns. I really like the way Notre Dame is playing right now on the defensive side of the ball. And they're running the ball so well with Calvin Robinson. And I'll tell you what, even if Jack Cohn doesn't play, their backup pine looks quite good. I don't think that's a real story in this game. Yeah, their defense, you know, the way they played with, with Wisconsin forcing turnovers, you know, that's something that's kind of – I think enough people aren't talking about coming into the game. More, more people are kind of concentrating on the quarterback and running back matchup. And, Jay, let's, let's talk about one more thing. Uh, Cincinnati, not only is this a big opportunity, you're going to be looking at that Notre Dame helmet on Notre Dame's field. They're having to travel to play them, you know, in South Bend, in the stadium that still looks like it's from the 1950s, staring at the gold helmet with this opportunity. That is way too much pressure for the Cincinnati team to perform and win this game. Yeah, I definitely think that this all stacks in for maybe a Notre Dame beatdown, which could upset people. I do think aesthetically, though, it could have the setup for just a great uniform look for this game. If Cincinnati can come in there with, like, red uniforms with the green for Notre Dame, that would be beautiful. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, Joe. Another big opportunity here is uh, Florida and Kentucky. It's been a weird series lately, Joe. Uh, I think it was like three years in a row where Kentucky should have won the game and officials just absolutely robbed them on phantom holding penalties, phantom pass interferences, like anything you could add in. I mean, I've gotten so upset in the series lately with the refs doing everything they can to keep Florida to win. Uh, but now Florida's traveling to Kentucky, and I don't think that this Florida team has as much respect as some of the ones in the past have. They already have a loss against Alabama. Nobody thinks they're as good as Georgia. I think the Zebras might make this one a little bit more fair. I don't think they're going to be quite as terrible to Kentucky as they have been in the past. Uh, Kentucky's got a good football team. They have a quarterback. They can really uh, sling it more than they have in the past. Also big and runs the ball well. You know what you get with Mark Stoops' defense. I think this is going to be a fascinating game. I think the Gators are on a huge upset alert right here. Yeah, it's definitely an intriguing matchup. You think about Florida and Kentucky and the history of Kentucky had so many years they lost to that team in a row. It was uh, Tennessee and Florida that caused so much um, frustration for Kentucky fans for like a quarter of a century until recent years. So, yeah, I think that I'm absolutely rooting for Kentucky. I think it's going to be a close game. But at the end of the day, I feel like some of these games like this can come down to kind of winning it in the trenches. And I just think Florida's a little bit better at those positions, like the offensive and defensive line. Joe, I'm going to make a caveat pick right here. If Emory Jones plays the entire game, then I think Kentucky wins. But if they make the switch to Anthony Richardson, I'll go Florida. But since it seems like Dan Mullen is dead set on Emory Jones, I'm picking Kentucky with a big upset here. I think on the road, Kentucky can be kind of a tough place to play. I love Mark Stoops. I think this is probably the most talented team he's had. And they have a great running back in Chris Rodriguez. They still have Velocity Smoke, also a really solid running back. 
I like what I'm seeing from the quarterback right now. They have a more dynamic offense than they've had, and that defense is still really good. And I just don't trust Emory Jones. I know he played good against Alabama, but I feel like that was, you know, there was a lot of things lining up for that to be a good performance, you know, in home, huge crowd motivation, everybody doubting him. Now I feel like that he's had this week where he's kind of, you know, getting all the lauding from what he did against Alabama. I just don't think that their offense is dynamic enough with him at the, the helm. And I like Kentucky in the upstairs. Okay. Yeah, I think it would be kind of an offensively challenged game, kind of one of those games where Kentucky in some ways kind of controls a lot of the um, depth of the game in the pulse of the game, but then Florida kind of just in classic fashion kind of rips their hearts out at the last second. But just speaking of uh, offensively challenged, let's go to our game of the week. And when I say week, I mean W-E-A-K. This is for bad ones. We got two different ones here. First one, I want to have our game of the week in the SEC. I think this is the game that decides who's the worst team in the SEC West, and that's Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Uh, Mississippi State's offense has actually done a pretty decent job. It's gotten a little bit better. Uh, still have no running attack, but from a passing standpoint, I do feel like they're getting better. But what I'm really talking about on week is offense is from Texas A&M, which has just had a historically bad offense this year. Calzada uh, seems like a deer in the headlights out there. He hasn't really he, – he definitely doesn't seem like what you usually see from Jim Fisher quarterbacks. And uh, this is a big opportunity for Mississippi State to get a win over a team that's still in the top 25 but probably won't be there for long. And uh, definitely it's uh, it's a game that if Texas A&M loses, there's going to be a lot of people really angry about how much money they just gave more to Jimbo Fisher. And people that, you know, maybe look back at last season and be like, okay, SEC West was a little bit weaker last year. And what did they do outside of getting the doors went off by Alabama being a lot of average teams. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's a prove-it game for both teams. It kind of feels like that LSU-Mississippi State matchup last week because the winner kind of can kind of get their season in the right direction. The loser, they can kind of lose things in a hurry. I think it's interesting that Mike Leach makes a return to A&M. You know, he knows this program very well from his days in the Big 12 at Texas Tech. So he should you know, kind of know how to uh, prepare his players to – run their prolific passing offense on the road in that raucous environment. But at the end of the day, one of the big issues for Mississippi State against LSU was turnovers, you know, costly turnovers um, in the red zone. And I think that I worry about them throw, having some turnovers with Will Rogers in this game. And then also I think that Spiller and his running ability is one of the top two or three running backs in the SEC. I think he can make a difference and allow A&M to win this game. Yeah, Joe, one thing we've seen from Mississippi State in the last couple of years is they are susceptible to good running backs and having good games against them. I remember Tane Bixby had a good game against Mississippi State last year. Um, one of the other good upper-level running backs, Nashi Harris, had his way against uh, Mississippi State. And Spiller's a very good running back. He, he may ultimately be the best running back in the SEC. Him and Tank are up there. And I think that they're going to get the running game established. I think A&M wins this game. It may be one score, somewhere between seven to ten points. But I definitely like A&M in this matchup. Yep, this game of the week, W-E-A-K. All right, Joe, and our ultimate game of the week, I'm going to let you hit this because I've been looking at these teams. They're so terrible. Uh, UConn and Vandy. Yeah, Dan, it's a historically terrible matchup. I saw where you can get a ticket for this game for $2 which that seemed like too much. 
I feel like people should be paid. Yeah, I feel like you should be paid two dollars, if not more money, you know, to to set through this. I mean, this is going to be a game, Dan, where I saw it is going to be televised on ESPNU, and that stunned me in itself. Like, I thought this would be like an ESPN three game, you know, just like watch ESPN maybe for like the, you know, the the parents of these players to watch it. I mean, UConn is a team that I think I saw or heard on another podcast, like over the last hundred years, um, statistically speaking, they may be the worst team arguably in college football. They're 0-5, Vanderbilt's 1-3. I tried to study some statistics on this game, uh, partly for tongue-in-cheek. I can tell you this, the Vanderbilt quarterback completes about 52% of his passes. UConn's quarterbacks are like 46 or 47%. So this is, this is going to be an ugly game. Talk about offensively challenged. Somebody's got to win, and Vanderbilt's probably going to get their second win of the season, and it'll probably be their last win of the season. So, Joe, let me ask you this. Uh, do you think they should, like, Taylor Swift should put, like, a free concert at halftime, being this in Nashville? Maybe they can up the prices off $4 per, per ticket. Maybe that's really the only way you can get somebody in there, as long as you get Taylor Swift and the host of other country stars to play this game and make there a reason for someone to go to this. They got to do something to draw an audience. You know, I know the Jacksonville Jaguars had talked a few years ago when they were really bad about putting the NFL red zone on their jumbotron so the fans would come to games. I mean, this is how bad it is, Dan. The last thing I'll say is, like, you have um, Vanderbilt. I think the ESPN is actually going to use their cameras to televise the game. So, like, they're not even going to send anybody from ESPN, it's my understanding, to the site. The announcers will be remote, and they'll just use Vanderbilt's cameras. Yeah, they, they don't want to travel to see that, uh, that awfulness. Yeah, that is, a, that is a definitely – that might be the, the, the season game of the week right there because that is two pathetic teams right now. Yes. All right, so switching from pathetic teams to really teams that are playing excellent right now and excellent offensive football, you're not seeing 46% completions, 52%. Let's go to our actual game of the week with the WEK. Let's talk all this down uh, We're talking about just excellent offenses. The two probably hot trophy promos right now. Matt Corral a little bit. Bryce Young, Alabama. And, uh, you know, if Arkansas hadn't had a question, have it come back, or maybe it's a game that, like Oxford versus Tussles, it's probably Kyle Kaden. But, of course, what Pitt has done, they were going to be pushed up a little bit. Bryce Young is completing, what, like 72% of his passes. 
15 to 1 touchdown interception ratio. Corral's got like nine touchdown passes, five rushing touchdowns, zero turnovers. I mean, just the numbers are just unfathomable. And then you just look at like the array of weapons for both teams. I mean, both teams loaded the wide receiver position. You actually can make the argument that all oh, this is deeper to the running back position, whoever would have thought that against Alabama. But at the end of the day, I mean, Alabama's defense is definitely better than Ole Miss. You know, that probably can make a difference in a few stops. Also could make a difference in um, red zone opportunities. Ole Miss maybe having to settle for one too many field goals instead of a touchdown. So at the end of the day, I think that both teams will play well offensively, but I do think Alabama will be able to squeak it out at home. Kiffin is going to have a great game plan. Like whether Ole Miss wins or not, he's going to come in. 